Hey there, Graveyard Podcast listeners. This is Bruce Buxton. I'm just preparing you for what you're about to hear. Uh, my interview to follow here with Dr. Dave White has a few vid- audio glitches in it. I made a hard decision not to ask him to re-record it. He's a pretty busy guy, and I really liked the way that the conversation rolled out. And I'm not sure, since uh, it's, a, it's an organic conversation, I'm not sure that I can recreate it. So I hope that you can forgive me for the sound glitches in it and just listen to the wisdom and, and the uh, sincerity of Dr. Dave White. So thanks for listening, and I appreciate your patience. Hey there, welcome to the Graybeard Podcast. This is your host, Bruce Buxton. That's the G-R-A-Y-B-E-A-R-D, Graybeard Podcast. And this is another episode where I'm going to have the pleasure of interviewing somebody that I admire a great deal, if from afar only. But uh, let me start, though, by just giving a, um, a little bit of a precursor to this. If you listen to my last podcast, uh, you'll remember I talked about what a massive failure my week had been in terms of being able to keep with my fitness goals and my meditation goals and things like that. And so I'm 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 rebounding. I'm in a in a place where I'm ready to take some more action. And I'm really I think this is really uh, exciting to to have this guest with me today at this time. So let me introduce to you Dr. Dave White. And Dr. Dr. Dave White is a is a coach and um, uh, well, a long-term coach. He's been coaching people since, like he told me, before it was called coaching. Dr. Dave, welcome to the Graybeard Podcast. Uh, good to be with you, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, that was your cue. So that's that's where you come in right there. Hey, there uh, um, uh, Dave is in California. Dave Dave uh, is a also, besides being a coach, he's also a NCAA lead ref for Division One basketball. Is that correct? You got it. Yeah. Got to get that uh, stripes and whistle on and uh, go make the call. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, we need to talk about that later in the show because I, I have a couple of really funny uh, interest questions that are of interest to me, but I, I, I hope they're, I hope they're of interest to you, but, but Dave has been coaching and, and I, as I looked at your bio a little bit, Dave, I think you can kind of take your, um, your coaching and you can divide it into maybe two big broad categories. One would be, um, executive coaching, and then the other, I would say, would be, would be wellness and health coaching. Do you see that the same way? Yeah. I mean, uh, bottom line is I'm here to help people, you know, get from A to B where they want to go. And over the years, you know, we have a, a if we have enough gray and enough years under our belt, uh, coaching has morphed like we've morphed. You know, there were times that it was a lot more fitness oriented and wellness oriented emotional and psychological times it's been more faith oriented times it's more business oriented monetizing branding now it's a little bit more let's just deal with the whole person you know how how do we help them get where they want to go and uh you know when you have enough decades under your belt you have some layers to your coaching which is nice that's that's really nice i was just listening to a program today that was talking about the the mentality of, of of giving it a pill right to solve that solve that problem and how um, much of the medical community and the, the um, uh, counseling community is kind of moving away from that, look, taking a more holistic approach. It's slow, but but it's moving in that direction. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Very helpful. So so let's do this. I, I, I'd love to hear just a little bit about. Well, well, first of all, you might you might 
be able to tell because because Dave talked about the gray, right? So he's got a little gray hair, and uh, I don't think he's ashamed of that. Um, Dave Dave is a grandfather and a father. Maybe tell us just a little bit about your family, Dave. Yeah, well, I have a beautiful wife, Sue, of 33 years. She's been amazing. We have five grown kids. Uh, Chris is married in Texas, and Chelsea's married up in Medford, Oregon, and Chandler's there, and Chase is down in San Diego, and Chloe's getting ready to go to Quinnipiac in Connecticut uh, for college. She's our youngest, so yeah, five uh, kids and one granddaughter, Kessler. So uh, she's a doll, and it's all good. I'm blessed. That's so awesome. I, I do have five grand. I have five kids of my own. I got to beat on the grandkids side though. I got four. So I know. I got to catch up now. The competitive part of me is like, dang, I got to catch up. Bruce, what'd you tell your kids? Mine are a little slow, apparently. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's not even my oldest daughter that has that has the most grandkids. How about that? So we'll just, have, we'll just have to go with that. So so tell me a little bit about, I'm really interested to know how you got into um, roughing basketball. How'd that, how'd that come about? Well, that came about through dad. My dad was a professional referee, so I grew up going to games, you know, as, as a little tyke. And uh, by the time I turned 18, I'm like, I guess you can make like $20 if you ref a game and I can pay for school or, you know, whatever. So I started in the association and uh, now 40 years later, I'm, I'm still doing it. So as long as they give me games, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I was thinking before we talked, I thought, you know, I need to ask Dave and see if you'll see if you could come up with it quick enough, but I'm curious. It, What's the best story you have uh, about, you know, the, the funniest story you have? I have a son who's in Morgantown, right? And uh, he wants his, his, he wants his Mountaineers to win the whole thing. But he's a, he, he loves um, giving impersonations of Bob Huggins. It's the funniest thing ever. So I was thinking, <laughs> it's really, it's really very funny. Though. Anyway, so I, I was thinking, I got to ask Dave, you know, what's the, what's your best NCAA refing story. Can you share? Do you have anything that just? Jumps? Oh goodness, uh, there, there's so many of them. You know, you're dealing with all these uh, alpha males, and uh, they're competitive. A lot of anxiety, a lot on the line. People watching. Uh, so there's always tons of stories. I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I guess one that comes to my mind actually isn't even about players and coaches. It's about my colleagues. I was uh, fortunate enough in 2005 to do the national championship game for the D2 level. And I remember after the game, uh, just coming in the locker room and my two colleagues were kind of depressed. You know, they looked kind of down and I'm like, what, what's up? You know, I didn't know them. One was from Florida, one from Georgia. And uh, we were signed on this national game. You know, it was on ABC, I think 33 million viewers or whatever it was, you know. And they're like, that's it. And I'm like, what do you mean that's it? And they're like, that's like it. it it's like yeah i know it's it's just basketball it's still just 40 minutes it doesn't matter if it's the national championship game or not you just get a little white towel to take your shower and you know a little bit of food in your locker room and then you hop on a plane and you go home and i, I realized that's stood in my mind that whatever golden cat will think is going to bring them all the joy and stuff in life it's not it's not a super bowl ring it's not refing the national championship game. It's not making a million dollars. If you don't have a faith in God, if you don't have a people in your life that love you, if you don't have a meaningful life, it's just not gonna do it. So uh, when you said that, I have lots of stories with coaches and players, but that one stands out just with my colleagues realizing, wow, they reached the pinnacle of their craft, but that's it. It didn't do it. You need a life. You know, you need a full life. And Bruce, you, you have that, you know, which is yeah. 
Oh yeah, that's just that's that's really an interest. I'm glad you brought. I'm glad you said that because I I was thinking you'd come up with something Bob Huggins-ish and sort of sort of funny, but, but yeah, they're... but that's a beautiful story though that talks a lot about you know where we are in life. You know how do you how do you get to here, and how do you get to here joyfully, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, success is not going to do it. People want significance. They're just more complex than that, and the. It doesn't matter if you're a player, a coach, a referee, or a fan. Uh, you got to have something more. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't want to go too far down this because I want to go there later. But what does joy look like for a man? I mean, you know, we talk about it a little bit. But but, but what does true joy look like for a, for a man, for a, for a guy who's out there bringing home the bread every day, and uh, who has the responsibility of, of you know, kind of the weight of the world on his shoulder? What does joy look like for a man? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I mean, that's a, a really profound question. I don't know if I have all the answers, but what comes to my mind is just one of the things I love about being a man is being grounded in a you know a, an identity and who we are, uh, taking on a man code that's internalized, not being regulated by externals. Like I want to show up as a good man, whether my wife's having a good day or a bad day, whether it's snowing, raining, or sunny whether people are nice to me or not nice to me and certainly when i'm on the basketball court whether people are yelling or not yelling at me whether they like the call or they don't like the call i don't want to be regulated i want to show up and do what i'm called to do to the best of my ability with grace and honor and dignity and there's a joy in that because it's not circumstantial you know happiness has to do with the happenings around you sometimes the happenings are kind of crappy but joy is about uh, being on your game for me. It's just uh, the joy of being a man, opening doors for people, uh, not because they can't open them themselves, because that's who you are. And uh, I love that. Yeah, you, I'm sure that in your line of work, you've heard the bowl and water analogy, right? The idea that the man, the man in, in, a, in a committed relationship, the man's the bowl, right? And the, the woman's the water. And, just the idea that you're unchangeable and unmovable and that you are what you are in all circumstances. I think that's, that's such a powerful thing. And the idea that you're just throwing out there is that, well, that's just not relationships. That's everywhere you show up. That's at, at the basketball court. That's, you know, on a call to someone. Uh, you don't get yanked around by your emotions. You're not up and you're not down. And what's really interesting to me, and I, I, I don't know, you probably see this in your practice quite a bit, but I, I see that, that the world Generally, everybody wants to be, you know, have a lot of drama, right? And they, they want, they, they, for whatever reason, want to be yanked around by their emotions. Do you see that? Well, I think people, yes, I see that people want to be connected and they want to be known and they want to be, be seen and they want to belong. And I think when people are not attached very well, they're just hanging out and doing stuff. Uh, they do get dramatic and i think their drama is a symptom that please see me notice me like uh, let me get your attention like it's like that's not the best way to get it to you know when you have that anxiety inside and you don't have the joy you, you're not grounded in who you are you know who you belong to uh people do crazy stuff mm -hmm. uh, they get dramatic yeah, that's that's really that's really interesting. I I love to talk more about that. Probably another time, better. But that that's just really powerful. What you said about showing up in a way that is consistent. You're doing your job, and that's where you get it from. In in the Graybeard podcast, I'm talking to people a lot like myself of my age who have lived a little bit of life. And like I say, you know, 
with this age, the, we, we have a lot of gifts. We have, we bring a lot of things to the table, right? We have all the resources. Absolutely. We yeah, we, we have experience, we have connections. But another thing we have is we have the experience of having been smacked around a few times, right? And so I think oh, people, yeah. people of our age become a bit risk averse, right? And I think to make a full and happy life at some, at some level, you got to take a few risks, right? Absolutely. I mean, you can't live as many years as we have without being betrayed, wronged, lied to. You know, there's scoundrels and, you know, squirrels everywhere. So um, it's easy. You're either going to get a little more jaded, a little more bitter, a little more, you know, passive, a little more disconnected. Or as a man, part of the joy, I think, of being a man, it's not about being giddy and skipping around. The joy is that peaceful satisfaction that I'm a warrior. I was made for this. I was made for battle. You don't have to make it nice for me. I can handle it. I've got man fiber in my constitution. Like I can show up and bring goodness even in the midst of chaos. And it's my joy and my privilege to do so. Um, and as we have a few years, that the peaceful satisfaction of not needing the latest, greatest, the shiniest thing, but uh, just settling, being grounded and aligned with who we are. I don't know. That brings me a lot of joy personally. Yeah. Um, talk, talk, just talk with me a little bit about that concept, that warrior concept. I know there, as I followed you in LinkedIn, I see there's a lot of your posts that, that talk about this warrior outlook on the world. Can maybe just briefly touch on that and I'll ask you to follow up because I've got a, something that's been bothering you about that. I'd love to hear. Yeah, well, you know, I, I have, a, of course, some people that are like, oh, you're a little bit crazy. You're always using warrior language. You know, it's kind of over the top. It's a little hegemonic. It's patriarchal, you know, or, you know, it's toxic masculinity, whatever. I just know the guys that I journey with, life is a battle. They've got bills to pay. They've got opposition to overcome. They've got to deal with the economy. They've got to deal with their wives. They've got to deal with their kids. A workplace that, you know, may be tough with a boss that's not too friendly. Uh, they've got the tyranny of, you know, being the breadwinner. They have a lot of things. So, you know, it's not about being G.I. Joe, owning a gun or, you know, you know, going overseas in Afghanistan. I just see guys as warriors because they have to get up every day and fight the good fight of faith. They have to like show up. They have to be able to overcome obstacles. They have to get over the pity party. They've got to get out of passivity and they've got to like, you know, armor up, uh, put on the full armor, so to speak, and go do it day after day through the snow, through jobs they don't always like, uh, sacrificing because maybe their kids are sick or they got medical bills or they're trying to pay for someone for college. That's a battle. I, I don't know what you want to call it. I don't want to be too cuckoo. I, I just, I think they're warriors. And I think they were born for that. And for guys who are like, oh, my life's so hard and you know, it's victimy and it's tough. I'm like, get over it. This is a great privilege. We get to go, we get to go to battle and we're gonna a lot of battles and you know, we're gonna get our butt kicked a lot of times, but this is the privilege of being a man, taking it on and, and uh, fighting the good fight with honor and dignity. Like I can see in your, in your face and your voice, how strongly you feel about that. How much emotion you put into that is just beautiful, fantastic. Well, let me well, ask you. You're you're doing it, Bruce. I mean, you're the classic example, right? You're you're doing it. You know, you're you've gotten to the place where life isn't about you. You're serving other people, and you're going to battle for them. And 
and you see it as an honor and it's tough but look living a lousy stupid slothful meaningless life is tough too so life's going to be hard it's a fallen planet people <laughs> watch the news um, yeah. but let's get up and do something with it and you're doing it i love it that's beautiful so so here's the hard question dave and, and this is not a zinger this is something I, where i believe in this concept of masculinity very very strongly i believe that there are gender roles that are important and that when 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 we embrace them in a way that's helpful help healthy or helpful then then our lives come together in a way that they couldn't come together otherwise so the hard question is is what is what is the warrior concept what does that say about femininity where how do we view and from from our from that warrior perspective how do we view femininity and what does it say about the feminine uh, part of our lives well, you know, I don't know how to answer that. That's a, a great question. I'm not smart enough to, to, to know where, where to go with that. My initial thought is though, you know, there's this, there's a sense today in kind of, you know, this crazy sexual revolution and the, the decades that have kind of unfolded that, you know, all of us have the masculine, the feminine inside of us. I don't typically use that language myself. I don't think I have the feminine inside me. I think I'm a man. I have harder sides to me and I have softer sides to me. I think women, they're created differently. They have different roles and different purposes. And they can, they have times they need to be a warriorette, you know, times, you know, I'm sure packing lunches and getting kids to school and, you know, they gotta get that uh, fierceness. Uh, but there's times they have a tenderness too and they have a softer side. And by the way, their softer side is not like a guy's softer side. You know, when I hug my daughters or my sons, that's a little different than mom doing it. My body's a little harder and hairier and resonates to a different music and a different beat. So, you know, I, I think for the guys today, we live in a culture that there's a lot of man hating going on. Yep. There's a lot of diminishing of manhood. There's a lot of demonizing of men as if they're toxic, ADD, uh, pathetic, um, you know. And so I don't know. The warrior stuff for me isn't even really about women. Like I said earlier, I open doors not because women can't handle it, because, but that's because of who I am. Yeah. If I was on the Titanic and it went down, it's going to be women and children first. Yeah, that's, that's, not, that's, that's not because I think I'm a better swimmer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, and that's, exactly, who I am. that's exactly what I was after, Dave. And I think that I guess what, what my what my thoughts are on this is that there there's a confusion, not from not just from men, but from women like when they come across a, a warrior man, when they when they see a man who really knows what it means to show up as a man, then then how should how should they feel? Should they be, you know, should they be um, offended by that? How can how can they personally embrace it? I think that's that kind of that conflict of in this really screwed up kind of emotional world we live in. It's a very difficult kind of thing for people who have been exposed to correct roles to really understand well, where am I vis-a-vis -vis this other person? Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. I, well, and I would, I don't think I would say this, I don't know, but I, I guess I think it, and that is, you know, I'd like to tell women, don't be so damn narcissistic that you think everything I do or a man does is about you. It's not. Yeah. It's about who we are and we're just showing up. So don't personalize everything. Goodness sakes. Beautiful. Absolutely great. I love that. <laughs> and I'm so grateful you said that. That's great. 
I think uh, may, maybe narcissistic might have a little edge to it, but still, that's a great concept. <laughs> Thank you for well, that. I really appreciate it. Now, maybe I, I was hoping maybe, and we've got several minutes left, but I was hoping maybe you and I could do a little bit of real-time coaching. Because I, I think one of the things that I would like to get from this podcast is I'd like to demonstrate to those who are listening, you know, here's what it looks like to be in a coaching relationship. And I, we didn't talk about this beforehand. So if you feel like you're getting blindsided, you just say, no, Bruce, I'm not going to do Hey, welcome to life. It's a, it, you always get blindsided. Let's go for it. I love okay, it. Cool. So the last podcast, I, I, I basically said, look, at the, at the beginning of the year, I said I was going to eat a third less every day, right? I was going to put a third less on my plate. And I was going to uh, you know, leave a third when I was traveling out in, you know, in an airport somewhere, leave a third on the plate. And then also I was going to keep my meditation practice daily and also keep my gratitude journal every week. And um, once a week on Sunday evenings when I'm planning my week. And, and so I had to come to those who were listening to me last, the last podcast and say, guys, I'm sorry. I did not do what I said I was going to do. And, and from the point of view of the podcast, that's kind of what I hope the podcast would get for me and would broadcast to my listeners is just what does the idea of accountability look like? So I'm trying to be accountable for that promise. But one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is I'm going to go looking for places in my life, things things in my life that, that are blocking my progress. And short of psychoanalysis, which I think is kind of a flawed concept, really, honestly, but short of psychoanalysis, if you were going to look for obstacles that were keeping keeping people from doing what they promise, tell me tell me how would you go about that? Like if you were in a coaching relationship with someone, where would you start? Well, the number one obstacle is people trying to live it alone. I don't know. I think it's God said something like it's not good for man to be alone. I think that's like right out of the shoot in Genesis one or two. So in general, a lot of guys come to coaching or gals and they're like, help me alone. Uh, try to transform my life. I just don't see it working that way. When I look for a coach, I want someone who's competent. I want someone who has character. But the third piece, the chemistry piece, I think is the most important. And uh, I get that because I see a lot of, I work, I have the great privilege of working with amazing CEOs, entrepreneurs, Olympians, athletes, people that are very, very competent. And yet sometimes they don't see the results they want. Mm. And I think it has to do with they don't have the attachment or the bond in place. I don't want to get overly developmental or <laughs> too relational, but one of my favorite uh, passages in uh, the good book is in John 15, where it talks about the branch connecting to the vine. You know, if a branch is connected to a vine, it's going to bear good fruit. If the branch is broken off from the vine, no amount of praying, hard work, reading great books or goal planning is going to help the branch to bear good fruit. So in coaching, Bruce, the number one thing I'm, I don't even work with people I don't enjoy or want to attach because it's not going to happen. I could say, read these books or set some goals and good willpower to do it. And accountability for a lot of people is policing. I'll just ask you if you did it. But I think the real fruit, real gain is when two people actually attach, care about each other, let each other matter. And out of that relationship, they develop a fortified mind. They develop a kind of a, an empowered will, and they start to see the organic fruits that they really want, which is like love and joy and peace 
and patience and kindness and goodness I could go on. But a lot of people like I need the patience. I'm stressed all the time and overwhelmed. Well, working on patience is like that's typically a dead end cul-de-sac. What you want to work on is getting loved and connected and someone in your corner where you're not doing life alone. And you'll see that all of a sudden you breathe a little bit deeper. You're a little more relaxed. You have a little more patience and ability to be long suffering. Those are all fruits of the attachment. They're not the fruits of the person trying to reach the goal. So this is a little bit about, are we going to try to manage symptoms or are we going to try to get to the root of what's going on? And root issues always uh, demand something a little more relational and complicated. What you just said there reminded me, I, I read one of your articles where you said, you know, it's it's a fact that if you have a coach in your corner, you're going to throw harder punches. Well, well, I don't remember what the total phrase was, but you're going to yeah. catch more passes, hit more three pointers and 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 throw harder punches with a coach in your corner. There's just no disputing that. Right. Absolutely. I, I heard that Top Gun is coming out again this summer with another version. And, you know, Top Gun has his wingman on him. And the bottom line is you win more battles with a wingman on your flank. Why? Because as you were talking about earlier, you can take more risks. Mm -hmm. uh, you feel safer. You feel emboldened. You feel encouraged. Courage comes from being encouraged, in strengthened, you know, uh, bolstered. Yeah. So when you have kids, uh, I've been to enough youth events as you have as well. I see my kids, they do amazing out there. It's not because they're great athletes or they're super special. I think they just have me and my wife and grandma and grandpa and a bunch of people behind them and they feel like they can do anything. And then I look at the kids who are more talented, taller, more gifted, but don't have that support. They don't execute when it comes down to the pressure and stuff. There's just not enough in there. To, to sustain them, even though they're super talented young little kids, you know. So I, I think coaching is a little bit about that, getting the attachment in place, connecting, feeling strengthened by the relationship, and then you'll see amazing things. Like you were mentioning, I think, you know, trying to eat a little bit less, maybe putting a, a third less on your plate. Sure. Well, but way deeper than that, for all of us have food issues, um, deeper than that is how are we using food like what is it doing for us you know it may not just be food and nutrition it could be comfort or a reward system or all kinds of things and unless those are negotiated well that would be a tough goal to, to fulfill it sounds easy but no 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 the food is doing a thousand different things yeah. so unless you have another way to fulfill what it was doing it's not going to be very easy to get rid of that yeah this sounds like familiar ground to you dave you, uh, you, uh, not, not that it's your issue, but it sounds like that you've heard this a few times. Well, I, th I think my issue, I, I went back and got my PhD after having multiple, you know, graduate degrees and traveling 70 countries of the world and doing research. I'm like, I know a lot about this, that, and that, but I want to help people become whole. Like, this is ridiculous. A guy's angry. Okay, I could give him a Bible verse, be angry, but don't sin. I could pray for him. I could tell him like, hey, you know, that anger is not going to be helpful in your marriage. But like, how do I help him like deal with the root of the anger? Yeah. It's like, I didn't know. And that's, that took me back to uh, getting my PhD. Like, oh, I just love being in academic circles. It's no love. I want to be a physician of the soul. I actually want to help people get well. And I would be very frustrated if I was a medical doctor and people came in with sicknesses and I'm like, I don't know what this is. Well, they have a hot forehead. Well, the hot forehead's not the problem. The hot forehead's the symptom of something deeper. So I think I just care about people and it's sad for me to see people trying to not get hot foreheads. 
And it's like, that's not what you want to spend your time. Look, the tree is wilting, but it's not a wilting problem. It needs water. You know, you know, I, Dave, I love, I love the way you lapse into analogy. Just you get the drop of a hat. You've got, you got all these different analogies going on at the same time. I just love it. It's fantastic. Uh, I just want to live well, and I want to see people live well. So I think it's because I think it's because you're you're a Bible scholar, and, and Bible is just lot. There's lots of analogy there, so that's real. That's really good. well. It, I, I'm hopefully a truth or a reality scholar. I mean, I'm a man of faith, and I've embraced the good word. But it's because not because I was raised in it. It's I want to know what truth is. I want to know what works. I want to know how the cosmos is aligned. I want to know what we're made to do. And truth-seeking people, um, let's align. And if you have a better way to live and you have evidence to support it, I'm all in. Okay. I don't need to support one thing over the other. Um, I just want to align with reality because when you become a friend with reality, life works really well. well yeah, absolutely. Like we discussed earlier before we started the, the recording, you know, the, the idea that the faith of, of all kinds is profitable for man, right? It's not, you don't have to be a Christian to benefit from faith in God. I'm, you know, I, that's my faith and that's where I'm at is faith in Jesus Christ. But I think that what, what I hope to do is if there, if there are those of you who are listening who aren't um, Christian, you know, dig deep into your own faith tradition, find those places where it's made for you to have joy and then dig deep in there and, and, and adhere to the principles that, that you're taught so that you can actually live that joy and, and have that purpose in your life. I think that's a, it's an important aspect of what we're talking about here. Yeah, so let, well, let yeah, me recap. I agree with that. Go ahead. Good deal. Let me recap, though. In our coaching session here, I think what you told me is one one place you would go right away is be connected. You know, get connected. Real connections. Connections of love. Connections of trust, right? Yes, because I believe not just us hanging out together or being together, but you and I actually loving each other, caring for each other, which means letting each other matter, internalizing the relationship, uh, that becomes the, the, the foundation, if you will, for real life transformation. All right. So, so get connected, get connected with real relationships of love. The other thing I heard you say that really resonated with me is that, that focus, don't focus on the symptoms, you know, recognize that symptoms are just what manifests, right? But that the, yep. the problem is somewhere deeper than that. And if you can get below the symptom and get to the problem, then you might stand a chance of finding some sort of resolution or some sort of peace maybe with where Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. And finding that route can be challenging, but I would say to everyone, here's some good news. I know you need to be rooted and grounded in love. I do know that. Right. So if you don't have a lot of love around you or a lot of grace or people who accept you with a lot of mercy and compassion and patience and start there because yeah. that's gonna when you have that at the roots you have a lot of shot at seeing some of the symptoms change yeah let me kind of put some of this together too so one of the things that's interesting about our conversation today and i hope that those who are listening on the podcast can also have i hope you've made this connection as well right so i've got a man here who's talking to me about being a warrior right that everything that comes with that you know the steadiness and the aggression and the um you know, the, the precision that comes with being a warrior. And in the same breath or right adjacent to that, I've got a man who's talking to me about being connected with genuine relationships of love. 
And that doesn't leave any room for to toxic masculinity or machoism or anything else. It, it, it means that you embrace your role as a man and you embrace the world as it comes to you, right? Yeah, if, if you have a warrior who doesn't have a heart, doesn't know how to dance, can't hug a child, you have a terrorist or, you know, you have a violent soul, you know, a, a true warrior can go from zero to 10. He knows how to take out evil, confront it and kill it. But he also knows how to give himself sacrificially to others, love and care. He has an elasticity about who he is. He's yeah. not a one trick pony. He's a man. He's, he's got uh, variegated layers to who he is. Very good. Now, I know what's going to happen, Dave, is that I'm going to start looking at my notes after we finish, and I'm going to say, oh, there's so many things I wanted to ask. <laughs> and and, I, and I'm and i hoping that I'll get a lot of engagement from listeners as well, and they'll email me, and, and you can email me at bruce.gillette.buxton at uh, gmail.com. That's Gillette, G-I-L-L-E-T-T-E, -T -T -E, like the razor. You can email me there. You can message me on Facebook, or you can give me a LinkedIn DM, any way you want to get a hold of me. And, and I, if you have questions for Dave, I promise I'll pass them along and we'll deal with them on another podcast. But since I'm doing that, Dave, I'd really love for my listeners to know what's the best way for them to engage with you. You know, what are you, what are you doing? I, it's really funny. I noticed, I was going to ask this up front, but I guess I lost it. But I noticed that you your, your posts on LinkedIn have diminished quite a bit since the basketball season started. Do you think there's a connection? <laughs> you too observant <laughs> there could be there could be uh, life life has its uh, takes its course absolutely we do what we have to do when we have to do it that's a fact so so dave how can people get in touch with you how can they engage with you well my website is uh drdavewhite.com drdavewhite.com and my email is similar right it's dave at drdavewhite.com dave at dr davewhite.com so they're free to email me go to my website we can connect i'm on linkedin and instagram and facebook uh, i'm there not primarily you know for myself i just want to encourage people and uh, you know try to just get a little love out there a little light uh, be part of the great conversation and for those that are like i want to be a part of that conversation they get to listen to you bruce or stay connected it's really awesome that's awesome. You probably remember that when I was just stalking you a couple of months ago, I asked you, Dave, why aren't you doing video? And you said, well, that's a good question. And it's kind of brushed it off. But at some, <laughs> point, at some point, my listeners should see some Dr. Dave videos out there on LinkedIn, I'm thinking, right? Well, you've challenged me. So you're taking me to the next level. There you, you go. Lot, you got a lot to offer, my friend. You got a lot. Iron to sharpens iron. And I appreciate you doing that. <laughs> All right. So quickly, before we cut, before I cut you loose, I got to ask these these uh, sports questions. Um, give me your prediction on who's going to win uh, the uh, the Division One football championship. Is it going to be the Tigers or the Tigers? Oh goodness sakes! That's that's your territory, dude. You tell me. Uh, it's going to be the Tigers for sure. Oh, okay, that's I nice. Just not, I'm just not sure which Tigers. I, I'm going to predict this can be LSU. I think they're just going to be hard to beat. They're just a machine. It's it, they're tough. They're tough. They're really I'm tough. just gonna pray that they don't blame the officials for the win or the loss. Look, <laughs> officials are human beings, and if you want to win the game, you better be able to let them make some mistakes and still have a plan to win. Okay. All right. It, Spoke, spoken. That, that's coming from a rep, right? That's right. Spoken from. If somebody. you need them to make the exact right call to win the game, you did not play to win, my friend. That's right. Absolutely. That and that that, that I think that would be what we call in this business an excuse, right? <laughs> I love it. Amen. Yeah. All right, who's your final four? 
Oh, I have no idea. I have no preference on the final four. You know. Tell me, tell me only if uh, can I call my son and say the Mountaineers are going to be in the final four. Uh, well, in his head, they're going to be in the final four, whether they get there or not. Right? He's either <laughs> going to say they are there or they should have been there, but the refs blew it. Right? That, that's what's great about being a fan. So I'll tell him. I'll tell him that you can have him in the final four if you want him there. Just put him there in your head. Okay, good. All right, well, those are the couple of sports questions I wanted. <laughs> Dave, is there anything you want to ask me at the end here? Is there anything that, well, not ask me necessarily, but is there a last word that you'd like to get into my listeners, knowing what kinds of things I'm dealing with in the podcast and knowing, you know, what our conversation has been? What, what, do you have any last thing you want to offer everybody? Oh, I just, I love what you're doing. Look, there's a lot of fantasy about young people and millennials and ageism and just worshiping youth. It's really nice to see that you and uh, along with your listeners uh, know that the gray beard has some value, that having a little bit of experience, not being a whippersnapper actually is to our advantage, that there's a lot to offer. And quite frankly, people, uh, let's say they're in their 50s, they hopefully have three, four or five meaningful decades left. So I, I love what you're doing. I love that uh, we're friends. I love that uh, you're journeying with people that uh, hopefully are not wrapping it up and uh, getting ready to land the plane. I say, let's take off and, uh, and go capture the, the, the future. It's ours. Why not take it? Man, you're fantastic. I love it. I, I, I just know we're going to stay connected. And I think that you have a lot to offer me in my life. Um, encourage my listeners to, you know, do everything they can to connect with you because I think they'd find it the same way I would. So, Dave, thank you very much. And, and I hope you have a, a wonderful week or the end of your week. And, uh, and I really hope that we touch base again soon. I love it. Take care, Bruce. Have a good one. Thank you, sir. All right. Bye now.